interview of the week here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, we're glad that you are listening. Hopefully you make a habit every Saturday during the 3 o'clock hour to listen to these interviews of the week that we've been doing for a long time. I always like suggestions. Uh, I love people like Annette Kearns and Eileen Kuhlman at the Catholic Pro-Life Community who are always uh, giving me ideas for great interviews having to do with uh, protection of life, healing after abortion, and uh, that is what we are doing today. Uh, I do want to thank Diane Xavier, uh, running the board, by the way. Uh, today, um, we are talking about healing from the effects of abortion for men in particular, and a wonderful program called Project Joseph, which uh, the aim of it is exactly that, is to allow men to be free from shame, guilt, and whatever else accompanies um, a past abortion in the case of men. And my go-to guy has always been with Project Joseph, Reg Platt. He's the Project Joseph coordinator with the Catholic Pro-Life Community. He joins us via phone, and we're glad that he's here. And meeting, I'm meeting for the first time licensed professional counselor with Flower Mound Counseling, Chris Guznicek. Uh, who is here in studio with me. So, Chris, thanks for coming. And, Reg, welcome. Uh, glad to talk to both of you gentlemen. My pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Good morning. And, uh, yeah, I just had Dana Nygaard in studio recently. She's kind of like a female counterpart, also a Catholic uh, licensed professional counselor. So I'm very interested in hearing what Chris has to say, especially as it uh, deals with the psychological damage and also potential for healing for men when it comes to abortion. So let's get right to it. Uh, Reg, tell us uh, real briefly, because I know you've told this story before. This is a very personal issue for you because it, it hits very close to home for you when it comes to healing from abortion, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, in 1976, uh, just three years after uh, Roe v. Wade, I lost my only child to abortion. Mm. And um, at the time, I was 19 years old, so I was all I was all gung ho for yeah, uh, abortion. It's it's a good thing. Every woman's fought for this. And they did, they deserve everything that they can get. And of course, that was before it happened to me. Uh, when it, uh, when it in fact occurred and, uh, I realized I was going to lose my child, uh, inside I was screaming, please don't do this. But on the outside, I was saying, it's okay, dear. It's your life. It's your body, your choice. Uh, which is basically the same thing as saying I, it's not my problem. I I don't really care. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, and uh, I I was I was very cowardly about it. I did not stand up to defend my child, even though I wanted to. I was afraid to, because um, society had already been over the fight of whether abortion was appropriate or not, and uh, the. <laughs> The bad guys had won, so yeah, I had to play along with it. But yeah. I carried that for years. And, and then healing, of course, came through Project Joseph. We can get your own testimony on that as well. Uh, Reg, from a general standpoint, it, you know, a lot of people say, you know, men don't need to be involved in the abortion issue. This is between a woman and her doctor. This isn't a man's issue. Obviously, we know that there, there, there's that makes absolutely no sense because a, a man is involved in every abortion. But how yes. how soon did the idea of 
let's focus on men. Let's have, you know, we have the Rachel Vineyard retreats for, which are for men and women, but, uh, how soon or how recently did Project Joseph become a reality and, and, and how so? Well, Project Joseph uh, was uh, founded in 2014. Uh, uh, there had been some groups who thought, you know, maybe we should reach out to men uh, across the country in various different places. Um, but Eileen, uh, I, I, thank goodness, doesn't mind me telling this story. When she had first heard that men needed abortion healing, she thought, well, that's ridiculous. They didn't have the abortion. And so uh, she thought it really wasn't necessary. But um, she went ahead with it anyway because she said, no, this will prove I'm right. And it, it didn't prove she was right. It proved that it was needed, and she's been gung-ho right behind it ever since. Mm. Uh, she's, she's one of the biggest supporters for this, uh, for men's healing, and uh, God bless her for it. Yeah. Uh, Chris Guzniczek joining me in studio, as I mentioned. Uh, his, uh, he's a licensed professional counselor with Flower Mound Counseling and also works uh, in counseling for Project Joseph uh, uh, retreats. And, and by the way, the, there's one coming up this month. It's Saturday, August 28th uh, through Sunday, August 29th. If you're listening and you're a man and you need healing from abortion or maybe you know somebody who does and you can gently encourage them to uh, call 469-720-CARE or email Email healing at projectjosephdallas.org. This might be the opportunity for your own personal healing. Chris, uh, from a mental health standpoint, talk mm-hmm. about uh, the, the way that men handle abortion, maybe how it's different from women, or, or what's unique about the, the male response to abortion and, and how, from your experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I think as as men, we are somewhat experts in not dealing with mental health. We, mm-hmm. we kind of tuck everything down. Mm-hmm. We cate- kind of categorize things and just not deal with it. And and, and I think in a lot a lot of cases, you know, you, you said it's questioned whether the men need it or not. I think men have that same question in their minds. The problem is when we do go through something traumatic, our our body does not forget, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's actually there's a there, there's a concept called hidden emotion, and the idea is when I do have something maybe traumatic, something that I just kind of keep tucked away, I can forget about it for maybe even for years. But eventually that does creep back in, and it creeps back in. Um, it can creep back in with panic attacks. It can creep back in with just kind of nervous breakdowns and things like that. And and, and then you kind of look back and say, well, what? Nothing's happening. I don't know why this is happening to me. And, and yeah. as you talk to the, the man, the client, you find that maybe he has something that he dealt with. He went through 20 years ago and has just never dealt with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the difference, uh, the, the baby is literally growing inside of the woman. It's part of her. You know, you know it's right there. A man yeah. is able to, you know, impregnate a woman, so to speak, and, and then, you know, be gone. And so there's a separation, yeah. a physical separation. How does that impact psychology and guilt and shame where yeah. it's, you know, for some people out of sight, out of mind. I, I'm guessing that doesn't work ultimately, but you say it, it does remains with them. It, it, it absolutely can. And I think what I, so, so you're right as, as a male, you can potentially be I, selfish is the word, right? You, mm-hmm. you go, you, you go through the experience, you almost literally run away from it, wipe your hands from it, especially if you're not married to the person, you can kind of forget about it. What I tend to see happen, I think is, um, 
when child when when children start coming back into your life is probably one of those times when you start thinking about it again right mm-hmm. you start realizing hey this is starting to hit home for me i would have another child right now yeah and you say that child would be 10 15 years old right mm-hmm. um so that that's definitely part of the process i think is when you start experiencing um child fatherhood for, yeah. for for the first time that that's definitely a time when it really hits hits home for you yeah um, reg how, uh, mm-hmm. how, what impact did a, a project with Joseph Retreat have for you personally? I know you said this goes all the way back to the, the 1970s uh, with your abortion experience. Uh, is what Chris is saying kind of ringing true? It, it, it was maybe tucked away for decades and then surfaced? Or what was your own experience about uh, you finally saying, I need to be healed of this? Well, it's like he was using me as a case study. Uh, I had uh, just pressed it for years and years, didn't never even thought about it. And uh, then one day, suddenly, I remembered. I mean, the, the, the first decision to have the abortion broke my heart, but I couldn't tell anybody. And this, so there, then my, my heart was broken again when God finally gave me the grace to realize what I had done, that I had, in fact, killed my child. And it broke my heart again, but this time there was a, it was a break that I, it could help me heal. I was able to acknowledge it. I was able to repent of it. I was able to uh, work to recover from it. Uh, with Project Joseph, um, I had actually been through a number of things. I'd been through uh, Rachel's Vineyard Retreat, and I had uh, been working with pro-life activities for a while after I had realized what was going on in my life. And I thought I was fine. I thought I was gung-ho. Hey, Reg is on top of things. Nothing's bothering him. And then quite... Uh, Quite suddenly, when I went to the Project Joseph retreat, that very first one, I realized that there were aspects of my life that had been affected that nothing else tried to address. Um, men's, uh, men's healing and uh, trauma from abortion is not you know, deeper or stronger than a woman's. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And uh, with mine... Uh, I, I I realized that there was damage to me as a male human being, as a man. And uh, Project Joseph helped me to uh, to look at that and to realize that there were things that needed to be done. Men men need other men to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being a man is something that needs to be learned. It doesn't just come naturally. Uh, it's something that needs to be passed down from a father to a son. Uh, you know, there have been uh, rituals of manhood in all societies for as long as we remember them. And, uh, we, we've lost that here and we don't know, (laughs) we don't know what we've got, but it's gone, you know? And so with Project Joseph, we're trying to help men remember what it means to be a man, to be a protector, uh, a husband, a father. Um, and it's uh, something a woman can't do for a man. 
Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, Rachel's Vineyard is is absolutely perfect for women. It's designed for them, and it also does bring men into into the healing as well. But uh, men need men to heal. Yes. We're talking about Project Joseph. It's a healing after abortion uh, retreat program for men by men. Uh, The next retreat will be at the end of this month, Saturday, August 28th through Sunday, August 29th, and uh, midday Saturday to Sunday evening. And you are invited to uh, inquire. You just by calling or emailing, you're not making any commitment, but you can check into this. It's all confidential. Uh, 469-720-CARE, 469-720-2273, or healing at projectjosephdallas.org. We're talking to Reg Platt. Project Joseph Coordinator for the Catholic Pro-Life Community of Dallas, and also Chris Guznicek, uh, who's a licensed professional counselor uh, with Flower Mound Counseling. I, I know from my experience, Chris, of uh, talking to people who organize events or organizing events myself, you know, mm-hmm. it, like an act retreat or a chirp retreat, uh, you know, the, the, the women will sign up you know, a month in advance and it'll be filled up, and the guys <laughs> are waiting until the, the day. It's just always harder to get men to sign up for stuff, to commit. And I would imagine for something like this, you know, times 10, you know, to get a guy to, even if he feels like, yeah, this, you know, there's probably something I need, but um, I'll probably be mowing my yard that weekend. Or, or you know, So tell us about that psychology of just getting a guy to say, yes, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to sign up, I'm going to e- email or, or make that phone call. Yeah, boy, the the psychology behind that, huh? Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I will say, you know, it everything with this weekend is completely confidential, which helps tremendously. What I, I think uh, it's becoming more, I guess, okay for men not to be perfect, and I think that helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just so hard. One of the things that makes this work is you're with a group of men that are completely non-judgmental, right? I mean, they don't. They're not going to judge you for what you've done or what you say or who you are or anything like that. And there's just so much power in that. And frankly, there are, and this is a sad statement, but there are very few places in the world in your life to have that type of experience, to have people with you that are not going to judge you. And and it's just, I mean, that between that and the Holy Spirit being there all weekend, those two things, and and then you've got a group of guys who have been there. Yeah. And they understand. I mean, those three things, I guess, fourth thing would be the, uh, the, the weekend is so therapeutically sound, and it just really allows you to dig into all of these complex emotions and just be real and mm-hmm. be, be accepted. I mean, it, it's fantastic. Yeah. You, you mentioned some of the uh, effects of uh, previous abortion, the panic yeah. attacks and things like that. What about the, you know, the guy has an abortion when he's in college mm-hmm. and then 20 years later he's married, mm-hmm. he's got a wife and, you know, four kids. And yeah. the, the kind of the, the um, collateral damage or, uh, of the marriage, um, the, 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 his relationship with kids, how, how does that, and I know probably every situation is different, yeah. but generally speaking, what, how does it impact, you know, later relationships? Well, you're right. Every situation is different, so it's hard to be general. But what, what I will say is you have to deal with each of those emotions, and you have to process each of them. You can't just, for example, um, and this is an experience maybe, and actually this, so, so my experience. Um, so I have a similar story to Reg, and about probably, gosh, I don't know, I think 15 years ago now, I went to a chirp retreat 
And I spent some time with actually, I don't know, I'm allowed to say who? Oh, <laughs> Fa- yeah. Fa- uh, Father Stephen Sanchez. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you guys yeah. know him. Carmelite. Yes, yeah. yes. And I mean, that was one of the most profound moments in my life, just spending that time with him and actually uh, confessing w- this, this abortion for the first time and talking about it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt so relieved and I felt so good, so good about things. So then when I met the, the Rachel's folks and Eileen said, oh, I don't want to come on as a retreat. And I said, well, I'll come on as a, as a counselor because I'm, I'm good, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I was feeling really confident. Yeah. So, so I go to the weekend and what I found was as we go through the process and the activities, I had dealt with that guilt and that mm-hmm. shame. And I was, I, was, I was okay with that. Um, I had dealt with really the anger at myself. I was okay with that. Yeah. We got to the grief and I, I lost it. I mean, I was, I was, I was just, I, I was like completely consumed because, and what occurred to me later was I had never dealt with the grief and the yeah. loss yeah. because the, you know, the process I'd been through before wasn't specific to this. Right. 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 Um, so that was, yeah, that was really, that was really a learning moment for me. And I think that's part of what makes this, this, this whole project so, so special. Yeah. Project Joseph, it's uh, so important. If you're a man and this uh, is resonating with you and you're thinking, okay, I got I to gotta get to the, 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 the root of you know, the guilt I feel for something that maybe happened 30 years ago or 20 years ago, uh, this is your opportunity. Uh, Reg Platt, Project Joseph coordinator, and also Chris Guznicek, licensed professional counselor, both uh, post-abortive themselves as they have uh, revealed uh, the, the retreat this month August 28th and 29th, uh, 469-720-CARE, 469-720-2273, or email healing at projectjosephdallas.org. And uh, Reg, I know guys, mm-hmm. you know, we want to we wanna be in control. We want to know what to expect, you know, what's going to happen. Am I going to be sharing in a group? Am I, I, and I know you, you can't say everything that's going to happen, um, but, but generally speaking, what, what should men expect if they sign up for this retreat? Well, they should expect, uh, as Chris had said, a confidential, non-judgmental atmosphere of men who have been through the experience and want to, to share the, what they have learned about healing and dealing with it. Um, now, you were saying that men are difficult to to get to sign up for these things. It's uh, it's true, it's true. And uh, many a time, uh, we as we're approaching that last week, we have heard uh, Eileen say, "We don't have any men. There's there's, there's only like two or three signed up. What what are we going to do? What are we going to do?" And I tell her, "Don't worry, these are men. It's not the last minute yet." Mm-hmm. And we when we have generally <laughs> filled our our our, our, uh, our retreats by the time we we get to the uh, to the dates. So we we had um, we'd had men who uh, who had told us when they well they, they uh, I'm sorry. Let me get my thoughts organized here. Um, that men are very difficult to get out. Like you say, I maybe yeah. have to mow my lawn that, that weekend or, or, you know, wash my hair, whatever excuse it is <laughs> that men use. Uh, but, uh, we used to, and we used to do just a day of healing for it because we didn't think we'd get men to come any for any longer than that. But 
like 75 to 80 percent of the men who came to Project Joseph when it was one day said to us, I wish this went on longer. Yeah. And, and the, because that's that's how much they got out of it. So that's what we're trying to go with this time is to uh, make sure that uh, men do, in fact, get the chance to to get everything out of it that they can. There's a, it, it makes a big difference spending a night on a retreat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's you, you go to sleep and you wake up to a new world, and this new world is the retreat. Yeah. And you, you, you go on from there. Uh, we, have, um, we have meditative exercises. We have a scriptural reading. Uh, we have um, uh, the men get a chance to record privately, confidentially, their, their thoughts and only share them if they want to. Um, and uh, we have a breaking of bread together. There's uh, different physical exercises that we do because men, men need the physical aspect of it and um, so we uh, we go we go forward with it that way yeah beautiful uh, Chris you, you told your own story of you know finally kind of getting this off your chest you know Father Stephen and not really feeling like you needed to do the healing you're just going to be there as the counselor right and mm-hmm. then going through your own healing it, it must be nice and, I, and I've spoken to primarily women who have told me they go into one of these Rachel Vineyard retreats and they they don't want to be there and you know this is kind of stupid and then by Sunday or whatever day it ends mm-hmm. they feel like a, a, a 10,000 pound weight has been taken off their shoulders <laughs> um, t- tell us your own experience obviously you're not going to give names but uh, the, what, the, the transformation you've experienced in men from the beginning to the end of a, of a Project Joseph retreat. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome because, like you said, when, when men get there, everyone's kind of nervous and they're all just kind of looking around and not really saying much typically, right? Yeah. Um, they don't know each other either. And, and then as, as Reg said, you know, you break bread together, you get to know each other, you open up. And it's when you're able to talk about things you can't talk to with anyone else and you realize that's safe and it's comfortable and it just feels good you can see by the end people are are just uh, they're smiling and they're much more comfortable and this is a process right mm-hmm. it's it's everything doesn't happen in a day but it's a process but it does feel really really good um i i, I still i i say this that when when i had my experience i came home that night and I just, I lost it with, with my wife. I, yeah. I, I cried in, in front of her and I cried and cried and she was there for me. And, she, and it was funny because she said, I thought you were supposed to feel better when you go here. <laughs> and, and I was just like, it was just weird. This weird, my response yeah. was like, yes, but this is, it's a good cry. Yeah. It just yeah. felt so good. Right. It's, it's hard to explain. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Very, very, very cathartic, very healing, yeah. uh, therapeutic. Yeah. Uh, Reg, for those listening right now, take them through the process. Uh, I've given out the phone number and the email a few times. Uh, any other details, if you want to talk about cost or lodging, I know that typically the location isn't revealed uh, ahead of time. Or, or do, what, what do people need to know as far as if they're listening and they're thinking, okay, it's time, I need to, I need to sign up for this. What are the details? Okay, well, the first thing that happens is if you... Uh, call uh, our our hotline number four six nine seven two zero care. Uh, I have that phone uh, with me at all times, and uh, if I can't if I can't answer it at that moment, 
leave a message, and I will definitely get back to you as soon as possible. And then I will I will call up the man, or if he or or and speak with him. I will talk with him about the situation. I will tell him about my situation. That tends to put them at ease when they when they're uh, not sure what to expect, especially tied in with uh, with abortion. And uh, I just wanted I let them know that they will be in a very safe spot. It's um, there's it's. It's very difficult to get that much agape into one space, <laughs> but 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 we but we work at it, and um, then I will uh, give them the information on how to sign up uh, if if I think that it's something that's that's good for them. I did have I've only had one person that I've said I don't think this is right for you. I don't think you really have the problem that we deal with. Mm-hmm. But um, almost everybody else, I tell them uh, where to go online to sign up. Uh, the cost is um, is one hundred dollars. It's not uh, not a whole lot when you think that if you get a, a night's lodging, four or five square meals, and uh, you know all, all the agape you can handle, and uh, then. Then we, we we pray together. Yeah. We invite Jesus into our lives because uh, He's the source of all healing. Uh, he, healing is what we do. We don't heal necessarily, but we go through the process of healing. Project Joseph is just a triage, basically, for men who've been damaged yeah. in this cultural war. And uh, it's getting more and more difficult as we go along because right now there's there are attacks in our culture on on the very idea of manhood. Yeah, you know, you change your hat and then you're you're a woman now, or uh, you know, just uh, they're trying to erase the concept of man, men and women. Yeah, and uh, we we need to hold on to them. Those are things that are valuable to us. It's how we, it's how we function in a in a sane world. Yeah, and uh, with project, yeah, and Project Joseph is designed to help men hold on to being men and uh, being strong and uh, brave and true, which are the three three hallmarks of a, of what a man needs to be. An abortion makes a man weak and uh, uncertain and afraid. Yeah. At least it did, it did me, and it just, uh, well, who are we kidding? It, just about every man who's ever been through an abortion has felt those things. Yeah. And that's, that's been, it, it, uh, it's destructive to, to the, a man's self-worth as a man. 
Well, Reg, thanks so much. Appreciate your uh, vulner, you know, being willing to be vulnerable and tell your story, and uh, also the the great work that you're doing with so many so many men as project coordinator, uh, Project Joseph coordinator for the Catholic pro life community. Uh, and and thank you uh, again. I'll give out that phone number four six nine seven two zero care four six nine seven two zero two two seven three or healing at projectjosephdallas.org. That'll go straight to Reg, and as he mentioned, he will uh, speak with you and let you know if it's a good uh, fit for you. And Chris, one last question for you real quickly. We're about out of time here on the interview of the week, but uh, what is your role on a a weekend like this? Just kind of there as men need you. Most men come to you and, you know, just kind of get a little bit of counseling or or, or what will you be doing uh, this week, that weekend? Well, so I'm I'm there to just help facilitate, help run activities. And yes, we do have the opportunity to sit down one-on-one and talk through things if that's necessary. And of course, be there in case, uh, you know, in case anything, anything is needed from a therapeutic perspective, really. Yeah, very nice. Uh, do you want to give out any website information about Flower Mound Counseling? In fact, if, if anybody wants to get a hold of you otherwise for any kind of, uh, you know, personal or marital counseling, that kind of thing, what, where, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, sure. Probably, I mean, probably easiest is just my website. It's it's well, it's a mouthful, but it's it's chrisguznachekcounseling dot com. So it's c h uh, r i s and then g u z n i c z a k counseling dot com. All right, uh, Chris Guznachek. Uh, they got to know how to spell that name, right? <laughs> <laughs> counseling dot com. Thanks so much. Great to meet you, and thanks for the, Thank for you. what you're doing, and also again, also being vulnerable enough to tell your own story of healing after abortion. Reg, thank you very much. Thanks also to Diane Xavier for running the board, producing this program, and of course for Annette and Eileen, those wonderful ladies, ladies who do so much in helping uh, in the cause of life and for both men and women to heal from abortion. If you're a woman and you're thinking, gosh, I, I need something like this. Well, there's uh, Rachel's Vineyard retreats that are um, for women, also for couples, men, women. There's a lot of different kinds, different languages. And so there is something for you, regardless of who you are and uh, in what way you need to be to receive healing from abortion. Uh, a final time, giving out that phone number, if you're a man and you'd like to inquire about this August 28th and 29th Project Joseph retreat, 469-720-CARE. 469-720-2273 or healing at projectjosephdallas.org healing at projectjosephdallas.org please prayerfully consider uh, being in touch so that you can find the healing that uh, God desires for you gentlemen thank you very much great speaking to both of you thank you God bless you Dave thank you this has been the interview of the week here on KTH 910am of the Guadalupe Radio Network God bless you how can you save an innocent life Learn a very effective method in being a peaceful, prayerful presence that has helped over 10,000 mothers turn away from abortion in Dallas. If you feel called to be a prayer partner or a sidewalk counselor, then join us for a free training on Saturday, August 21st, 10 a.m. to noon at St. Gabriel the Archangel Catholic Church in McKinney. For more information and to register, visit ProLifeDallas.org or call 972-267-5433. That's 972-267-LIFE. Do you know a healthcare professional who would benefit by learning more about fertility awareness and the Billings Ovulation Method? Someone in need of continuing education credit? BOMA USA, the Billings Ovulation Method Association, is a new sponsor of KTH 910 AM. They've created online training specifically for healthcare professionals or experienced fertility awareness teachers. Visit BOMA-USA.org and click on Health Professionals at the top of the page. Free educational materials are available in appreciation for referrals. 
Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer, and Cecil is running the board. And uh, I've said it many times, any time that we are visited in studio by one of our local priests, one of our local religious, uh, occasionally one of our bishops, uh, it's a great honor and a great privilege uh, for these men uh, or women, in the case of religious, to take time out of their very busy schedules to come and, you know, see our studio, get a little tour, and sit down for an interview as well. And that is what we are going to treat you to today because uh, I am joined in studio by the pastor of St. Michael Parish in Bedford in the Fort Worth Diocese. And his name is Father Balaji uh, Bayola. And uh, he's nodding that I got that right. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason why everybody calls him Father B, because uh, they're like me and they have a hard time with uh, Indian names. But uh, Father Balaji Bayola, the more I say it, the better I get at it. Mm-hmm. And so Father B, if you don't mind me calling you that for the rest of the interview, welcome. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, good morning, Dave. And uh, thank you very much for this uh, opportunity to be with you and with the Guadalupe Radio Glad to be here. Yeah, and thank I, you so much. I also want to thank uh, Marco Molinar. I know, I know he's listening. I had the privilege of being at your parish uh, this past Monday because it was the feast of St. Joachim and Anne. It's my wife's birthday. And so I said, I'm going to get over there to St. Michael's and go to Mass. And of course, I saw you. And then Marco came up to me and said, did you ever do that interview with Father B? And I said, not yet. And he said, well, come on, let we, we do it. And so <laughs> here we are a few yeah. days later. So uh, thanks to him uh, for his encouragement. Um Father B, I want to just talk about a number of things, kind of focused on your vocation, how God called you to the priesthood, and and then also about the parish, uh, St. Michael, which I, I just think is a wonderful parish, and your own, you know, kind of inspiration uh, to be a, a priest in the church. But let's go back to the beginning, and you weren't, you weren't born in America, you're, you're from India, and can you yeah. tell us about your early life and uh, in India and maybe some of the influences in your life? Yes, thank you, Dave. I, um, uh, I was born in India, and uh, my parents were Catholics, and uh, my grandparents' parents were Catholics. So we are the fourth generation to be Catholics, yeah. and uh, uh, glad to be uh, very good uh, to be in a very good Catholic family. And I have two sisters and a brother, and I know. Uh, I always tease about it. Uh, my mother loves my brother more than me. <laughs> Everybody gets it. And whenever I say about mother, I say my she loves my brother more than me. And whole church goes on fire laughing. And, you know, um, I have wonderful siblings and they're all in India. And I'm glad uh, that they're doing. But, you know, uh, this family has really helped me uh, to be a good Catholic and to be a priest. And, you know, um, I, as I shared uh, during the Feast of St. Joachim and Anne, you know, a lot of influence from my family, especially my grandfather, uh, my mother's dad. Uh, we used to go to his place uh, during vacation, and during that time, we used to sleep. And he would wake up around five o'clock or something, and he goes. <laughs> A.M. I'm guessing. Uh-huh, A.M. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then he kneels and starts praying so loud. Uh, well, we all we are all sleeping in one room, you know. So mm-hmm. he prays so loud that we close our ears. Oh, he he's awake already. <laughs> so, but then I think 
Though now when I look back, that has a great influence and uh, I wonder how much grandparents can really influence us in our faith and in our prayer life. And he used to kneel and pray for a whole rosary and that used to be a great inspiration to me and I'm very thankful to them. And my mother is very good Catholic than my dad, I think. <laughs> so uh, she uh, she always used to pull me to church and go together with her. And a uh, lot of uh, influence uh, of my family and my religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. It also goes to show you that sometimes things that might seem annoying to kids end up blessing them I, we we try very hard to pray the rosary every night and mm-hmm. uh, you know our kids are not always like oh great the rosary but <laughs> yeah. you know down down the road they're going to say you know what i'm glad that our parents did that yeah. just like your your grandfather waking oh, up yes. at five in the morning to pray uh-huh. to pray out loud <laughs> you know there's a, you know on the website uh for saint michael's uh, which if anybody wants to visit it to uh, smcchurch.org uh, saint michael catholic church.org smcchurch.org there's a really beautiful bio section about you and you talk about the people like those who you've already mentioned uh who were give give, gave you strength and kind of helped you guide you to your vocation you talked about your parish priest you talked about how he used to to carry literally carry you and the the other children you'd hold his hand and he was very tender tell us about that influence oh yeah i think if i'm priest today uh, my parish priest or my pastor had great influence. You know, uh, our parish is a big parish at that time, and uh, it was uh, started by uh, PIME fathers in uh, in our place. That's a big church. But the priests used to stay in that house, and from there they used to come to different uh, substations. And I belong to one of the st- substations called Tenerpet. And he his name is uh, Father Picaccio from uh, uh, Italy. So he used to come on his uh, motorbike. That used to make such a uh, big noise. You know? <laughs> so uh, as soon as we hear that noise, we all used to run from our houses to him. Mm-hmm. And he's a big guy, over six feet, and then very solid, well built. So he used to come with cassock, and then we'll go. And he would take us into his hands and he carries both the sides, the children. And we go with him to the church and then we sit on his lap and we hang on him. And he would tell us uh, stories, uh, parables from the Bible. And you know, it used to be very interesting. I used to wonder whether they really eat like us, sleep like us. Because mm-hmm. it's very uh, different when we look at the uh, priests like that, you know. So he was great influence. And as I grew with him, I thought one day I should be priest like him. Mm. And that's where I think inspiration comes. But of course, uh, uh, he had a special love for the children. Yeah. And yeah. he used to uh, tell all the parents to get out of the church and then close the doors. And uh, through uh, through candies in the sky. <laughs> I bet the kids <laughs> we, hated that. Oh, yes. Uh, we used to uh, run yeah. and collect and also... Hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, re- uh, I really enjoy those moments. And we had some nuns used to come to teach catechism. And yeah. those nuns were very close to children. 
Yeah. I call them sometimes uh, some nuns some mean. <laughs> I call because they love us and they used to discipline us so much yeah. which we learned I know uh, they were simply a gift those days. They taught us prayers, they were uh, they accompanied us and they used to teach us so many good things which we learn a lot. And we had one catechist also. Um this catechist also is a now um he is gone but then he had influence over the children because he used to take us for rosary and he used to go around house to house to call people to come for mass father is going to come in one hour time mm. come ahead yeah well of course uh, uh, yeah, we never kept timing anyway but he used to come and help us to uh, come to church i used to go with him from house to house like that you know so there were uh, beautiful inspirations where i could feel the call of god and i wanted to become of course later on i forgot but in um, after fi- completing my 10th grade i was just looking um, for going to join the college because my dad by all means wanted me to become uh, a doctor but then um one of my nephews was going to join the seminary he told me if i could go and join the seminary we can be together i said okay and both of us went my sister took me to the seminary spoke to the priest both of us went to the seminary after one week he left Mm. and i continued with the palatine fathers yeah that's why i'm palatine today. tell tell us what that means uh, palatine priest uh, after your name it says sac uh, there's no p's in there so how how does that does is that mean the palatine priest and what does that stand for yes uh, sac stands for uh, it's a, a latin word uh, okay. it is societas um catholici palot apostolici yeah. apostolici but in english it is called society of the catholic apostolate okay okay so, uh, so the, these are palatine fathers known as the society of the catholic apostolate uh, which was started by saint vincent paloti okay, yeah. okay. saint vincent paloti is uh, a roman saint uh is a uh, italian and he had very special thinking about church and during his time i think uh, people did not have a lot of activity to do in the church mm-hmm. uh, it was like uh, uh, lay people can come pay pray go that yeah. was the situation yeah but he used to tell you know um, his motto was uh, make everyone a christian make every christian a catholic make every catholic an apostle and a saint mm, i like that so yeah uh, for that he said this is work of god yeah and this is a responsibility of every baptized person yeah i think he he had also a kind of influential hand in the uh, in the thought of second vatican council mm. because uh, he always wanted the laity to be active yeah he, he said it's not just the church of priests and the uh, religious but it is a pre, uh, church of the people of god everyone who is baptized so every baptized person has the responsibility to be the active members in their own church yeah. and he says love of christ urges us so uh, the love of christ impels us to help each other 
and to grow together and to journey together in this world and to establish kingdom kingdom of god in our uh, amidst us and he says use every talent use every gift of god for the good of the other mm, yeah everyone for the other every uh, everybody for the one yeah so we have to work together and it is a lot of inspiration which really touched me and we also call it we have the responsibility towards uh, uh, lay leadership yeah we make the lay leaders and we uh, concentrate them uh, to be active members in the church and uh, be leaders and help people uh, to bring closer to god Father Balaji Bayola is my guest. He's the pastor of St. Michael Parish in Bedford and uh, great information there about your upbringing uh, in India, the influences, and also uh, the religious order that you uh, were ordained, uh, if I have it correct, April 18th, 1999. So you've been a priest about 22 years. Yes. How was it that, I presume you were ordained in India, and then how was it that, oh, by the way, you're going to Fort Worth, Texas. (laughs) How did that come about? (laughs) Yeah, I think... um, when I joined seminary, I was 15 years old. When I became priest, I was 28. And I was appointed in India uh, as my first appointment as a, um, as a prefect of the students. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, in the seminary helping the children to learn uh, English and things like that. That's a orientation course. And after one year, I think I was also there as a, in charge of the seminary for some time and I had a small parish and uh, it was nice experience as a new priest to be with the parishioners and I began a new parish because that's the time bishop asked us to start a new parish in India and afterwards I was uh, appointed in a place called Amravati and I was pastor for seven years and then after finishing my term well uh, I was also busy as a vocation uh, director and also I was uh, in the in the council uh, provincial council and my activities were so much and I, was, I enjoyed really my ministry uh, and my parish was also very big it had 15 substations mm. that used to keep us very active and lot of work to do and which I really enjoyed yeah. and after finishing seven years my provincial came to me and asked if I can go and be in a school as a, in charge, I said no. <laughs> I didn't want to be in charge because I felt always, you know, uh, being a pastor yeah. in the parish with the people is my passion. Yeah. So I said, then he said, okay, think about it. And he left me. After a few days, he calls me and says, uh, do you want to go to America? Mm. I said, for what? <laughs> I didn't Good follow up question yeah. there. Yeah. Because I didn't want to go if it is just for studies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I told him, if it is for studies, I'm not going. Uh, I want to request it to put me in a parish. And then he put me in a parish. Um, he said, well, Bishop has requested for two priests and I want you to go. And it is going to work in the Diocese of Fort Worth. Mm. And then Bishop uh, Delaney uh, invited us. Yeah. And then after we came, of course, he was not there by the time we got. And uh, Father Kev- Bishop Kevin Van was yeah. there. And he. Invited. What was your first thought when you 
from India going to Texas, did you think it was the wild, wild west? Or did, what was your image? Maybe the TV show of <laughs> Dallas or, or what? Yeah, it's all about cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I thought cowboys... Yeah, horses, horses and, and yeah, yeah, yeah but and not ranches. the type that wear helmets and play throw footballs around, yeah. right? <laughs> well, we used to watch cowboy movies, so yeah, <laughs> that was the idea that I had. Yeah, so since you've been here, and uh, yeah, if you go back to you know Bishop Van's time, that's been uh, quite a few years you've been here. You've had a, a few different assignments: Holy Family Parish in Fort Worth, uh, Our Lady of Lords in Mineral Wells, St. Francis of Assisi, and. Uh, Grayford, I'm not even familiar with that one, and now it's St. Michael's. So what, what has been, generally speaking... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 